0: Hey guys, Will Durst here. You're listening to P.F.
1: Hello there, I'm P.F. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's Jake Johansson. I often say to
0: audiences when I'm in the clubs, I like in Denver at the Comedy works that people don't really realize how lucky they are to be living in a place where they've got one of the best comedy clubs in the country.
1: Always great to talk with Jake. Had a lot of fun stories to tell about touring overseas with Russell Peters, so we'll talk to him soon. Uh, We have some repeat dumb bits coming up and a song of the week from Weezer. So let's get to those dumb bits, eh? And now the troubleshooter. Finding a good mechanic can be tricky, as one local man found out. Consumer
0: troubleshooter Tony Soprano has more. (laughs) Chuck Hyperbole was having trouble with his car, so he took it into a local repair shop to have it tuned up. Well, I went to Hoodlum Brothers' repair shop. I had testified against Rob Hoodlum a long time ago, but I figured bygones, you know, and i give him my business. But it seems they gave Chuck the business. Well, I'm driving out in the Meadowlands, middle of the night, dumping a bot, uh, making a delivery, you know, when the engine just dies. I had to walk back eight miles. That's when I called troubleshooter Tony Soprano. I decided to pay them a visit. Mr. Hoodlum? Tony Soprano. Troubleshooter? Shooter? No, not that kind of sh... Well, not usually. Listen, you fix this car belonging to Mr. Chuck Hyperbole? Yeah. He's a lawyer viewer of our newscast. Now let's look at Mr. Hyperbole's car together. Shall we? <laughs> he says you tuned it up. But it sounds a little rough. Don't you think? I don't hear nothing. Take a closer look. Hey, oh, let go of my ow! Does that sound right? Does that sound right? Does that sound right? Stop it! I don't think so. After I stuffed him into the trunk of Mr. Hyperbole's car, he started to see the light, which is ironic because there's no light in there. (laughs) How's it running now, Chuck? Great, Tony. Now I got two deliveries to make out in the Meadowlands. Oh, yeah. If you're having a consumer problem, call Tony Soprano. The Troubleshooter.
1: Jake Johansson is a stand up comedian who uh, who goes way back actually, back to the 80s. He's one of our greatest stand up comedians and he's still at it, headlining clubs and theaters across the country. Here now is our interview with Jake Johansson. Hey Jake, it's PF. Hey, how you doing, man?
0: I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm just uh, I'm, t- I'm just driving home from meeting, uh, school meeting for my daughter's future. I thought I would be home by now, but I'm in the car.
1: Oh, okay, is it still okay time to talk? Yeah. Okay, great, Bye. super, super. So, um, it was, this is a college meeting. No, high school. High She'll school. Go to high school next year. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I thought that uh, college seemed a bit, bit old. But um, yeah. Uh, well, speaking of college, I uh, got a fun story to share with you for my daughter's twenty-first birthday last fall. We went to your favorite city. That's where she wanted to go. We went to New Orleans.
0: Oh, how did you like it?
1: Uh, loved it. Uh, I think we'd mentioned before. I last time I spoke to you, we'd been there. We went and visited my brother-in-law in Texas, and on the way back to Cincinnati. Uh, Hannah said, well, I really want to see New Orleans. So we said, okay, well, we, you know, detour through New Orleans. And we did. And only spent a couple hours there. I went, you know, to Café du Monde and, you know, walked around that area. And, and she mm-hmm. loved it. And she so her 21st birthday was also supposed to be Las Vegas, but she said, nope, I wanted to be here. Oh, good, good. Did she love it? <laughs> she did, yeah. We stayed in the Garden District. Great. Which great. was great. And there was a, uh, a coffee shop right across the street from where we were staying. So I got to do the, got to do the thing all I always wanted to do was sit in a coffee shop in New Orleans and just work on something. I don't know what I worked on. I worked on some kind of writing and uh, at a Cafe au Lait and yeah, it was it, we had so much fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's such a great place. I missed last year because I was on a tour with Russell Peters And oh. uh, We were all over the world. But during the Jazz Fest, which is when I usually go to New Orleans, we happened to be in London. Oh. So there? It, uh, it was a, it was a good trade. It was a good trade. I, I wouldn't trade it ever I wouldn't trade New Orleans for London every year, but one year I
1: did. Yeah, I always wanted to be wanted to go to London, so that probably isn't next on my uh, uh, city bucket list. Um, yeah, it's funny. We weirdly we were only on Bourbon Street, for, I think, for literally five minutes. We uh, walked around the whole rest of the area and then just walked on. And this was Saturday, kind like of Saturday afternoon. And we just went there just so she could have a drink on her twenty-first birthday on Bourbon Street. I think we were actually just a little off Bourbon Street. The hotel that we got the drink at faced Bourbon Street, but the bar was on a different street. But um, that that scratched that itch, so mission accomplished. Yeah, congratulations, Melvin. Well yeah. So, what have you been up to lately? You said you did the tour with Russell Peters, of course, but what's the what's the latest and the greatest?
0: Well, that was that was a pretty amazing year last year because uh, it started off. I mean, it, it was it kind of sucked up my whole year until the last couple months. Uh, we started off going to Australia, New Zealand, and Asia for six weeks, and then I was just home for five, and then and then we were back out to London and all over Europe for six weeks, and then he took me with him on on a bunch of Canada and U.S. Uh, big venue dates. Oh wow! And so. So that's kind of that's that's my big news since the last time I've been to Minneapolis is this this world tour of these amazing venues. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Russell Peters, but uh, I mean, we played Wembley Arena, at 12,000 seats in London, and uh, in Sydney. It was another 12,000 seat, and you know the smaller venues were 4,000 seats. So it was just an amazing experience to go around the world, Hong Kong and uh, performed for thousands of people at a time, not to mention that, you know, he's he, he's first class all the way. We we stayed in these amazing hotels. And, uh, it was just really, really something to be able to say for myself in my career that I've that I've performed in all these places. It's just, it, was, it was quite something. So if I had to point to what's going on with my career, I would say, well, that's what I just did. If you're asking me what I'm going to do next... <laughs> the, answer, the answer to that question is always kind of the same in these interviews, because it's, uh, I'm coming to acne in Minneapolis.
1: Huh. I have some recollection I spoke to Russell Peters, but I don't remember when that would have been. I don't see it in my one folder, but I, I'm almost positive I did back in the day. Well, anyway, when you were, what parts of Asia did you go to? Because, weirdly, New Orleans native Sean Patton I just spoke to, he went on a, a tour of Asia. Um, last year as well, and he, he played in Singapore and, and China and Hong Kong and places like that. Where did where did you guys end up?
0: Well, we went to a lot of those places. I've never met Sean, but I do want to meet him. He told so he told the storyteller thing on a, on that I saw on the web website. Um, I, I, anyway, um, we went to uh, Australia, Perth, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane. Uh, and then we went to Auckland, New Zealand. My wife was from New Zealand, so that was kind of a big deal. Oh, that's right. And then we went to Singapore, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, uh, Tokyo, Hong Kong, Manila.
1: And is it, well, I, I know on Australia, it's English-speaking audiences, obviously, and same thing with New Zealand, but in other places, is it expats? Is it people that, is it, is it English speakers, because most people speak English there? What's what kind of the audience breakdown?
0: Well, everybody does Speak English, And there are expats who come to the show, but I think a lot of his audience is people who live there who also speak English. I mean, his demographic, if, if you speak English and you are not white, I and mean, he has pleased plenty of Caucasian fans, but just from my experience, he can't walk anywhere over there in Asia without getting recognized on the street. People know who he is
1: you know? Hmm. I didn't really... But,
0: but they, they, do, they, they do all speak English. He's, his act, he does his act in English, and <laughs> I only speak English, so yeah. uh, that's what I did, too.
1: So did you adjust your act at all, or because, you know, you're kind of the uh, American everyman, uh, uh, sort of, you know, at least the stage persona, kind of bewildered by the things going on around him a little bit, or the, the why things happen the way they do around you. Was that still kind of the same thing there? Well... Yes,
0: uh, I since I was only doing uh, 20 minutes to warm up and I wanted to make sure that it was successful, you know I didn't want to take any chances and start talking about things that might be obscure or weird insights that I had. I, I mostly stuck to um, I, I, did, I talked a lot about uh, family and relationships and kids and those kind of things that are universal. Everywhere and that that was the material that I chose for the trip, and so yeah, it was it was not ai I di- I didn't adjust my act, but I guess I was influenced in my choice of the material that I did.
1: And was that your first time visiting most of those places?
0: I had been to Australia before uh, a couple of times, and then uh, I had I had been to. Hong Kong to do comedy, but that was in 2000. One of the guys met, and one of the guys who on that trip came to a show on this tour, but he didn't. He lived in Singapore. I saw him backstage in Singapore, not Hong Kong. But so it was a, it was a return to Hong Kong after uh, 18 years, and then uh, the rest of it was. It was my first time on stage in New Zealand, which was exciting, as I said, because my my wife has come there, and so I've been there so many times with a few family and friends who came out.
1: So did, did you, like, have any, you know, sort of experiences that you could fold into your act or that kind of had you gave you a different perspective on things that you've talked about in the past, or was it just kind of your you know, your normal observations?
0: Yeah, I, I haven't really talked about it in the act. It's always a little tricky when you're trying to talk about things that are not in the experience of everybody else. So, I mean, the first time I went to China, I had a lot of, to Hong Kong, I had a lot of um, stuff that I came back with and had in my act. But uh, so far this time, I haven't really talked about a lot of it because, you, you know, you, you want to be talking about things people can relate to, not about, you know, oh, let me tell you about this time I was on safari. And it has to be something that you're either reporting back to people as as a look, I'm, I'm like you. It, it was such a, a kind of extraordinary experience for me that I that I haven't talked about it on stage yet.
1: When you're there, do, do people when you're off stage want to talk to you about America and things going on in America or more about just more basic things?
0: You know, it's funny. I thought there was going to be a lot of answering for <laughs> Donald Trump that I, I was going to have to do. But yeah, the, the global perspective on that is uh, like we don't understand it and we know that you don't understand it either probably
1: yeah so, so people probably have that understanding that most of us are just as bewildered as as all of they are
0: yeah they, they don't ask you because they know that everybody it's a wild card everybody's everybody's trying to figure out what the hell is going on. So, so there wasn't too much. There wasn't. There wasn't both that really, and there wasn't there, there. wasn't some mistaken assumptions about America. You know that that, uh, that it's violent or whatever other perspectives you might guess that people would have. I didn't have too much talk about that. There's a lot of talk about. Isn't it great that you get to go on tour with Russell Peters? He's a, <laughs> he's a big star. I was like, it. Yeah, that is great.
1: That's funny. So, after being at all those great exotic places, is gonna? Are you looking forward to coming back and kind of being in that American comedy scene groove again, or is that going to be kind of boring to you? Or how's, how are you going to react? Well,
0: you know, yeah, it's funny because I, I had Russell before we left. said, "I'm going to spoil you on this tour," you know, because he he, he was first in business class. We stayed in these amazing hotels all the time, um, but uh, I have to tell you. The, the idea of getting back and being able to um, to go into my own dates where I was the headliner and the show was about me connecting to my fans or whoever showed up and talking about my perspective on things that were interesting to me. It, it was really, I was really excited and looking forward to getting back into that. And it's, and, and like I said, I had a, at a few of my own dates, the end, of, the end of the year, and it was really great to go back to, you know, Chicago and San Francisco, and it'll be great to go back to Acme. I, I, I often say to audiences when I'm in the clubs, like in Denver the Comedy Works, that people don't really realize how lucky they are to be living in a place where that got one of the best comedy clubs in the country, and I feel that way about Acne. You know, it's one, it's one of the it's one of the best comedy clubs in the country. The, the audiences are terrific. The layout of the room—it's fun to come to Minneapolis. And so, so yeah, I I understand if you're a person who's in Minneapolis and you haven't had the amazing opportunity to go to some of these places that I went to, you can feel like, ah, oh, this. You must really hate that he's coming here, but uh, no, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. It's been great. I feel like I've got a reinvigorated energy to go back. to some of the places that I've been many times. Yeah, I was, uh... because you, you have a kind of you have a different perspective on it now.
1: Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, I was uh, talking. I think it was to Chad Daniels who, who lives there. He lives north of uh, Minneapolis, and even though he hates the cold, and uh, and as famously, I've always I always tell everybody I've, I've been to Minneapolis twice for an hour in the airport. But you know, Minneapolis has it going on. They've got all the major sports, and in the summer, it's super nice when it's warm to do all outdoor stuff. And then if you like the winter sports, well, of course, it's you know there's plenty of that to go around. Uh, you know, because it gets cold. So yeah, M- Minneapolis is a is a great place. Um, and similarly, you know, I was having the same conversation about down here in Cincinnati at Go Bananas. Uh, you've played there before, right? Uh you know what? I've never been to Go Bananas. Hmm. We need to get that mistake. I don't understand. Correct. Yeah, we can <laughs> Yeah, I can... See if you can get that ball rolling. I actually I actually um, well, I'll uh, I'll send the uh the the booker your uh, your email and and say we we discussed that. Yeah, that would be uh that would be a perfect fit, I think. Yeah, well, i uh,
0: yeah. I'd love to. It's funny. Yeah, I've never been to Cincinnati. <laughs>
1: I thought you or had... I might
0: have been there,
1: but I don't think... I, I can't... I don't think I been to no? No, you know what? I think all the times we've talked that weren't for Minneapolis it might have been for Cleveland or when I used to write for a bunch of other papers uh, besides just the main two now. Uh, that's probably what it was. Um, cause I've always been a huge fan and it took forever to get to you because I think you'd finally come to Minneapolis once uh, when I was writing for them steadily and that's kind of how uh, the, the first time I would actually gotten a chance to, to interview you. Because um, I remember you back... Because you came up with... Um, like Jerry Seinfeld and 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 Jay and all those guys, right? Like what was, like, as Mark would say, well, Mark Maron would say, who were your guys? Those guys were, those
0: guys were a little bit ahead of me. I was okay. more, I was kind of between them and I think Louis C.K., who, <laughs> I don't even know if we're allowed to say his name in conversation, <laughs> but uh, Louis started a few years, couple, you know, three, four years after me, but not that much after me. You know, Patton Oswalt started Three, four years after me. But Jerry and Jay and those guys would have been, you know, possibly ten years before me, certainly six or eight.
1: Okay, that makes sense. I remember seeing you on Dave's show. I think it's probably where I first saw you. And uh, I think... I think this was you. Did you used to do a bit about you're you're driving along and the oil light came on and your dad said the oil light comes on, pull over, and you put tape over it? Yeah. That's you? Okay. Yeah, that was me. All right, yeah. It's weird how, like, if you ask me any comedian, I can always pull up, like, one joke that just sticks with me. And it may be years and years old, but it's always is that one joke I identify with each comedian. It's kind of an audibility that I have. Yeah,
0: well, it's funny to me. That's how, when people are saying... Oh, we saw this comedian and he's—he was really funny. I went, like, "Do you know him?" And I may never know their name. And I go, "Can you remember any of their jokes?" Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you can get it from that, but yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm a stand-up savant. And another thing, I think we discussed this before too. um i had read an interview with Jerry Seinfeld but you didn't have a recollection of this back then but he, he had a bit about um, traffic getting so bad that we'd be driving backwards and he credited it to you and said you would come up with that but that you couldn't use it it was more of a him kind of a bit um, I may be uh, Yeah, well,
0: My recollection of that story is that I we were both on the bill at the improv in Hollywood one night and he had he was talking about that and he had a couple of jokes and then I said oh you know I Comedians often come up to other comedians and say, I had this idea. And this was, and most of the time when it happens to me, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll see what I can do, but then you're <laughs> never going to do it. Yeah. In this case, I had said, I had this idea, and he, he put it into his act. I think that's my recollection of it.
1: Um, yeah, because he was saying something about the comedians trade jokes and things like that. I'm I'm so old now; I don't trust my memory anymore. I used to trust it really well, and now I'm kind of like, wait, maybe that was an interview with some other comedian. And I mish mashed it up in my head. Um. So I guess, you know, the, the trajectory of comedy these days has changed a lot from back from when you started. The thing was, you know, try to get a sitcom, and of course you went down that road as well, but now it's people are, are either doing podcasts and trying to get our specials into various places, and uh, what are you doing these days? I guess you said you were just, just plugging away back on the road?
0: Um, I'm back on the road. I've, I've self-produced a couple of specials over the past few years. One uh, was sold to Showtime and Netflix. But uh, it, it, my contract with Netflix ran out, and uh, then the second one is available. You can download it from our website. So I'm looking to do another special, you know, in the next year or so if I can find the right deal. They they they, they kind of the terrain sort of shifts as to what's the best economic opportunity in terms of doing a special. Like, where do you get paid, and where do you own it going forward into the future, and. Should you let them own it because they're going to show it more and that kind of thing? But I'm 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 trying to get organized to do another special or certainly another uh, hour long, uh, like a CD. Um, and then I've got a podcast that I've been doing for quite a while, but uh, it hasn't, you know, it's not on the national radar or anything. But that's the thing that that's the thing that I'm doing. Oh, you know, it, it is funny because as you say. The way that, it, the way that stand up used to work was you, you would get on Letterman or the Tonight Show, or you'd do a special and then you, your name would be out there and you could sell tickets on the road. And now you're looking for more of a constant connection to your fans. I'm always trying to say, please sign up for my email list. I'll tell you when I'm coming back to town or follow me on social media and I'll let you know when I'm going to be here or there and put, put a joke out every once in a while to, to kind of stay in touch and, uh, so nowadays, it's it's less about that sort of shooting off a flare to let everybody know where you are and that they should come and see you someday, and more about like this is what I did today. Hey, don't forget it's me, Jake. Don't follow me on Twitter, or Instagram, or all these other things. I'm not i I'm not as good and religious about keeping up with that stuff every day, but I'm always <laughs> I'm always trying to figure out how I can make that a better, consistent habit in my life. Because it's, it's about staying connected to your fans on an ongoing basis as opposed to that, hey, I'm famous, and so now you come and see me every time I'm back in town. Um,
1: have, have you approached or have, have been approached by the those dry bar folks?
0: Uh, I haven't. I, someone was talking about that the other night backstage at uh, at a club that I was at. And uh, I have not. I, I would consider doing it. I think it's pretty great exposure. It is. Although, you know, when they were talking to me about about their their emphasis is on, is is on being so clean. Yes. And I consider myself a pretty clean act, but I, I worry like, oh, maybe I'm too risque for them.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Well, my boss did one, and he almost didn't do it. Josh Need. And uh, I remember mm-hmm. he sitting down. And he was saying, I, "I got an opportunity to do this thing. It's called dry bar, but you got to be really clean. I don't know." And he went ahead and did it, and it's been huge. One of his clips, I think, is up to like four million now. It's a thing about uh, garage sale, um, and yeah, it's been it worked for all the folks I've talked to that have done it. It's worked out. It's worked out really well. Oh, wow. interesting yeah, so I was just curious. Well, um, it was good talking to you again, man. Um, I'll, I'll certainly pass your email along to the uh, the Booker at Go Bananas, and uh, we can get that uh, wrong righted and uh, get you down here in Cincinnati. And uh, what's the name of your podcast? We can plug that.
0: Oh, that would be great. Thank you very much.
1: Okay. What, what's, the, what's the name of the podcast?
0: It's the Jake This of Jake oh, okay. So Handsome podcast.
1: There you go. Terrific, and uh, available in all the usual places, I, I reckon. Yeah,
0: all the podcast places
1: you can find us. Great, man. Okay, well, like I said, hopefully we'll see you in Cincinnati here sooner rather than later. And enjoy the rest of your day. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Jake. You too. Bye. Thanks again to Jake Johansson for being on the show. For all Jake's tour days, just go to jakethis.com and that'll take you... Right to his podcast and his tour dates and everything you need to know about Jake Johansson. Running a little behind this week, so we're going to get right to the song of the week. Comes to us from Weezer. I know we had a song of the week from them just a couple of weeks ago from that Teal album, the covers album. But I wanted to get to this one because uh, at first I thought it was okay, and then I was like, actually, this is actually pretty good. And uh, this is a song I don't think can be covered properly, but I think Weezer did a really nice job of it, of course, it's the cover of AHA's Take On Me. And uh, after a couple of listens, I think they got it spot on. It's just it's just different enough that it's a good cover, but it's not so different that they did something like weird that like Pitbull did, uh, which, you know, wasn't bad when he borrowed that riff for his tune with Christina Aguilera. But um, I don't know. This I think he could have chosen something different for that. But in any case, I think Weezer hit it here. Uh, they smashed it. This is Take On Me, our song of the week on PS Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening.